Welcome to the podcast of Follow Baptist Church. Our vision and mission is to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. We hope and pray that you are blessed, challenged and inspired by this message. For more information on Follow Church, you can visit our website at www.followchurch.com.au. to have the Bible reading for us this morning. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, if you can turn to 2 Corinthians uh, 4. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the Word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. It is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Fantastic. Good morning, everyone. Are we feeling compelled this morning? I hope I can compel you just a little bit more. Difference between propelled and compelled. Do we know? Propelled is singular, compelled, co, common, come. It's all of us. And we need to do it together. That's why church is important, amen? In my job, there's, there are days, and I'm sure you feel the same, way. you know, that you kind of would be happy not to come to church. But I'll tell you, something happens when we gather together. So if you're feeling a bit slack or a bit lazy or a bit um, filled with yourself, um, it's good to come here because your heart can be humbled and God can do a great work. So if you feel like being slack, don't. <laughs> it's that simple. Uh, we're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 my task this morning. Um, forgive me, I had a Chiquito, Chiquito? Uh, Chico roll yesterday. <laughs> All right, I'll be honest, I had two. Um, and I don't know if you've had a, a, a Chico roll recently, but um, I felt 
a crunchy bit at the end, and I like the ends because they are the crunchy bits, but in this particular end, it was like a stone, so I kept chewing, and I realised it wasn't a stone, it was my tooth. Um, it happens with old, old age. Um, so, um, I, and, and we had my daughter's 21st birthday celebration, and I shared a speech, and at the end of it, I had a mouthful filled with blood because the, the edge of the tooth is very sharp and it's, it's cutting up the side of my gum. So if I look, I've got a bit of um, palsy or something today and this side of my face is looking a bit weird, um, or I start coughing up blood. I won't die. It's just a cut gum due to um, the old Chico roll. And now if this is podcasted, that's probably information that people have no concern about. But for you today, it may be relevant, as, as you see a red rim around my mouth. Um, <clears throat> That'll be blood. Anyway, a number of years ago, whilst um, in uniform as a police officer working Pakenham, Cardinia, um, I don't know if anyone lives on Blue Horizons off Henry Road. We're seeing a lot of burglaries, a lot of theft uh, from motor vehicles. Um, in the night shift, I was doing a night shift, I was working with a junior member. We were tasked, if you like, on this night shift to patrol that particular area uh, from about midnight through to 3am when regularly these burglaries, these theft from motor vehicle and theft of motor vehicle uh, were occurring. So we're doing our patrol uh, at that time. And I remember driving down uh, off Henry Road, turning into the Blue Horizons estate and saw a car on the right side of me, I was driving this particular night, and with the window down. My first impression was clearly the car has been broken into and, and you know, this, they've taken the goods out of it, the window's down and they've, they've ran off down the road. As we approached the car and got closer to it, I noticed there was actually a, a person in the driver's seat slumped over the wheel. So we pulled over and noticed that this person didn't move at all. And so we're now propped or sitting behind this car and I walked up to the driver's seat and realised that this person, whom by this time and stage, I, I, I thought he's drug affected and he's, he's collapsed. Um, and I wanted to make sure the keys weren't in the car because if they were, he'd probably get startled and as often happens, they drive off. So there's no keys in it, but he was sleeping in the wheel. I tried to wake him up and he didn't, you know, didn't, didn't wake up. So I then stick my hand through the window, give him a shake, he wakes up, he's startled. This gentleman was covered in tattoos, a bit of a rough-looking guy, and I'm, I'm building the suspicion that he's, you know, he's involved in drugs and he's probably uh, coming down from some right now. So a bit of small talk, chatter, a bit of friendly conversation, trying to calm him because he knows we're police, we're in uniform. If there's anything in the car that shouldn't be, he knows he's going to be in trouble and may want to get away. So calm him down and ask for his name. And we'll keep his name, obviously, confidential for for police purposes. So he, I asked him to get out of the car and asked for permission to search the car, which he grants to me. So I said to him offside, are you happy to chat with him whilst I have a look through the car? And a lot of, a lot of times new, new coppers don't do a very thorough search. There's been numerous occasions when I'd say, have you searched the car? And they go, yeah, then you'll go back, find a few little hidey holes, and sure enough, drugs, contraband, money, falls out of the car. It's always a good lesson for the, the young coppers of search a, a vehicle properly, but you've got to know where to look. Anyway, on this particular day, I popped my head under the seat and there's a handgun pointed right at my face. 
And it's, it's quite an adrenaline rush when you see a little handgun sitting under a seat pointing, you know, pointing right at you. Like you're, you're looking under there. You're, I'm down on my knees and the driver's in the footwell and I'm looking under. And there's this, this shooter, as we call them. So you go around. And I immediately place this, this young fella in cuffs and tell him he's under arrest for possession of a handgun, a firearm, and I found drugs in the car. Take him down to the police station. Start processing him, and he identifies himself as a particular person, as a particular name. And uh, my offsider puts him into the police system to let everyone else know in Victoria Police that this guy is in police custody currently. Anyway, his phone kept ringing the entire time. So I decided to answer his phone. Someone was obviously worried about him. So I thought I'd better answer the phone for him so it wouldn't interrupt our interview. And I said, hello. And the person said, they said, Robert, Robert. And I'm thinking, well, I thought we had Daniel in custody. <laughs> but he said he's, she's saying, Robert, Robert. And all of a sudden, I realised as I looked up Robert and then the surname that he in fact given himself up as his brother. <laughs> it made me think about us today, church. Have you ever wanted to be somebody else? <laughs> now I'm using fake names just so in case you're worried about that. I'll change the names for the purpose of, uh, of, of, of this. But have you ever been in a bit of trouble, a bit of strife, and you thought, gee, I wish I could be somebody else right now. Well, I thought I'd play a bit of a trick on him. So I went in and said, uh, okay, uh, Dylan, um, I found a report from the, uh, 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 Robert, uh, I, found, <laughs> I, I found a report from the, um, the homicide squad, and they need an intimate sample from you as I begin to put on my blue rubber gloves. And uh, he quickly changed his mind and, you know, came up with his real name and uh, happy days. He apologised for lying and blah, 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 blah. There's warrants for his arrest. That's the reason that he didn't want to give up his name. But have you ever thought of, have you ever desired or wished that you could be somebody else? Have you seen the people up here today on the stage and thought, I can see why God could use them but I don't think he could use me. I'm pretty ordinary. I'm pretty common. I can see why God can use them. I wish I could sing like them. I wish I could speak like them. I wish I could look like them. I wish I could be loud because I'm a quiet person. If you're loud, you probably wish you're a quieter person. But often we as Christians, as believers, and I'm coming from that presupposition that we're believers in this place and that we love the Lord and we're gathered here in his name, that we would look at somebody else or we look at other people in the church and in ministry and something in us says, I can see why God could use them, but certainly not me. And I want you to know there's something very dangerous when we focus all of our attention on ourselves rather than look to him. Because how many know that's where our gaze, that's where our look needs to be? Not on us, but on him. And like Robert or Dylan, I'm hoping that I can encourage you just for a moment from our text. Paul, here in 2 Corinthians, he is speaking to a church 
that is uh, to a group of people in this second letter that are really questioning his ministry, his leadership. And rather than boast in all of his credentials, rather than boast in, in, in his learnings and, and, who, and the teachings and the theological training that he's sat under, he says, you know what, it's not about me. The treasure of God, the gospel, it's simply put in an earthen, in a common vessel. And Paul references to you, to I, and he says, we are but earthen vessels. This earthen vessel speaks of commonality. Now, we are all individual and unique, but we're all common. I think it was Abraham Lincoln that said something like, God must love common people because he made so many of them. The beauty of being common is that hopefully, by God's grace, the message of the gospel ought to, should, can shine all the more brighter out and through our lives because the goodness is not of us, it is of God. In fact, Paul ends 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and he talks about this thorn in the flesh and he says um, that God has allowed difficulties in my life for the whole purpose that I wouldn't get a big head, that I wouldn't gloat in my own revelations and accomplishments, but my boasting would be purely and only in the Lord. Did you you see Paul's got apps there, if you like? Verse 8, he says, We're afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, and struck down. There's your first lot of apps in the Bible. Apple didn't invent them. Yeah? (laughs) They're in the Bible. And he says, these things happen, these things uh, take place in our life because they become a constant reminder that God can use common people. This picture of the, the clay pot that, that he speaks about here, it's not supposed to be in, in a way that would uh, denigrate or, or make us feel like nothing, as it were, but give us a rightful sense of the type of people that God wants to use. Common, everyday people that includes you and that includes me. Hallelujah. We live in a sensationalized superstar generation. Not only in the world do we want to have the best CEOs, the best, the best looking, the strongest, the tallest, the most powerful, but often such thinking can creep into the church. That we want to look for the impressive person, the articulate one, the one that can pontificate with the best of them. When God is simply looking for a common, earthen, a humble, integral, true vessel, that's the person that God says, I can use. That's the person that God says, I can fill. And I don't know about you, church, but that to me is incredibly refreshing. I'm not going to go into depth, but those earlier verses, he says, we didn't come to you with trickery, with smooth words. We didn't come to you trying to be that impressive with what we spoke. And, and, and to me, in a world of trickery, in a world of scams, in a world of scheming, it's refreshing just to have somebody that their yes is yes and their no is no. Amen. I don't know about you, if I'm going to come to this place week after week, I don't want to gather with a pack of phony people. I've got better things to do with my time. 
I don't want to gather here just for the sake of gathering. When we gather together, I need to get with brothers and sisters in the, in the, in the busyness of my life, in the hustle and bustle and the difficulty that Paul speaks about here of being perplexed and being in despair and being struck down. In the struck down perplexities of my life, I need to get with some brothers, some, with some, some sisters and, and be able to be real and not just be here and pretend that my life's perfect. I need to tell you about my Chiquito or my Chico roll. <laughs> it broke my tooth. And there's no dentist working. And I had a 21st birthday. <laughs> it was good. It was a good party. But it refreshes me. In Bible study, hermeneutics, for every New Testament principle, there's always an Old Testament picture. This imagery of a clay pot and a treasure being within, Paul calls it light. And, and the, 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 the Old Testament picture of this New Testament principle is found in the book of Gideon, Gideon chapter 7. And here's, again, the parallel truth, the constant thread throughout Scripture. In Gideon, uh, Gideon's story in Judges chapter 6, God calls him and says, Hey, you mighty man of valor. When the Lord speaks that down to Gideon, Gideon looks over his shoulder and he's just like, Me? You must be talking to someone else. No, no, Gideon, it's you that I'm calling. It's that humble disposition, Gideon, that I like, and that's the reason I can use you. And in chapter 7, uh, the, the Amalekites, the, the, specifically the tribe, the, the group of the Midianites, are harassing, they're overtaxing, um, they're, they're um, you know, driving into slavery, the, the Jewish, the Israels, Israelites. And there's 145,000 Midianites that are camped around um, the, the Israelites and they're oppressing them. And the Lord raises up Gideon to, to, to go on the offense and begin to um, you know, push back, if you like, against this demonic oppression. And the Lord says, Gideon, this is what I want you to do. I'm calling you to fight back against the 145,000 Midianites. Now, do you know how many Israelites were together? 32,000. 32,000 versus 145,000. Gideon says, Lord, I don't like the odds. And the Lord says, no, I don't like it either. There's too many of you. <laughs> Did you hear that? I'm not, 32,000 versus 145,000. So the Lord says, simply go to the, to, your, to the people, to the tribe, and say, anyone that doesn't want to be involved in this battle, in this fight, in this strategy, just let us know, and you don't have to. So immediately out of those 32,000, 20,000 say, yeah, we don't want to do this. <laughs> we don't like the odds. We're not fighting. <laughs> so Gideon's left with 10,000. Lord, I really don't like the odds now. And the Lord says, I, I don't like the odds either. There's still too many of you. I want you to go down to the water and those that put their mouths to the water, take note, and those that bring the water to their mouth, take note. There's great little studies and truths in there, but let's stay on time. Uh, someone said I spoke a little long, so let's go on. Uh, um, and guess who brings the water to, to their, their mouth? Only 300. This is really bad. It's 140, 145,000 versus 300. And the Lord says that is perfect. 300 against 145,000. What's the strategy, Lord? Well, at night time, I want you to take a clay pot, read it and be encouraged. Take a clay pot. 
put a light inside it. I want you to surround you 300 men, the camp of the Midianites. And when I speak to you, blow your trumpet, crack that pot and let the light shine. That's it? <laughs> Where's the swords? <laughs> How are we going to do this? No, just do that. Surround the camp, clay pots, covered, crack that pot, the light's going to shine by the sword of the Lord, the sword of Gideon. All right, Lord, you said it, I'll do it. He obeys, they do it, and guess what? The Midianites wake up startled, see 300 lights shining all around them. In panic, they pull their swords and just start going into a cutting frenzy like a return of the apocalypse of the zombies. <laughs> Sorry, that's what I'm thinking. And they slaughter themselves. And God brought a great victory that day through cracked pots. If you're a cracked pot, <laughs> hallelujah. God wants to use you. You know why? Because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about him. And in fact, if you read the King James, how many still read the King James? King James liked it. And the King James Version says that the excellency or the power may be of God and not of us. That's verse 7. You think about that. And if you study that in the Greek, you know what it says? The power, church that we need to do this job, to be Christians in the day and age in which we live, needs to be from him and not of us. Here's the point. If you're coming here every week trying to do it in your power and your strength, there's going to come a day, maybe it's already come, or it's going to come, that you're going to look around and say, what are we doing here? This is not working for me. I'm going to go and play footy on Sundays. No, the issue is not that there's no power in God, it's that you're trying to polish the pot rather than simply allowing your broken self to be filled with God's spirit. The only way we can get the job done is by God's spirit. Anything else, we will fall short of the finish line. Oh, I think of, um, I'll wrap it up, shall I? In a moment. That's an ambiguous term. My moment may be different than your moment. Um, um, and you're saying, oh, I've heard your moments, and it definitely is. Uh, I, I think of Thomas, whether you go to Luke 23 or John 20. Thomas. Jesus has died. He's been crucified. And... The disciples, a few of them have had sightings. They said, we've had fish with him. We've seen him. In fact, he walked through the wall. <laughs> Guys, Jesus is, is alive. He's resurrected. And what does Thomas do? No. I don't believe it. Mate, he's alive. We've seen him with our own eyes. Just like he said, he's risen from the dead. Oh, Thomas. No. I don't believe it. No, no, don't, don't impress me much. Sounds like a song. And 
And um, you know, he says, I'll believe if I see the scars. If I can put my hand in those nail prints, then I'll believe. And my point is this. Too often in church, we try to hide our brokenness, the scars of our life, when there are so many people that it's the very things that we've gone through, just like Paul, that is going to cause people to believe. There's so many Thomases out there that you can tell them about miracles, you can tell them good stuff, and they go, eh, I don't believe. But if you tell them about a scar that you've been through and how God helped you through that, they will say, my Lord and my God. Just like Thomas. Let's not hide the real stuff. It's about the treasure. It's not about us. We are simply cracked pots. Cracked pots. And guess what? When this understanding of cracked pots dawns upon our hearts, upon our minds, you know what should happen? We, when, when we see the pot broken, the light shines, the light should come on. It should light us up. That we think, I don't have to be so, I don't have to be so oppressive or angry at you. I can lighten up on you because it's not you or anyone else here that I need to be impressed with. It's all about him. Amen? Just quickly. New Testament example. Timothy. If you want to talk about a guy who is incredibly unqualified for ministry, it's going to be Timothy. Timothy's grandmother was a believer. Timothy's mother was a believer. Nothing of the father. And he is, he is brought up in this Christian faith, in this Christian surroundings, and he's called into ministry, but he, is, he, he, he doesn't want to be involved. There's something in him that isn't enthusiastic one little bit for ministry or to get involved. And there are a number of things about Timothy's life that I'd like to share with you that display this. 1 Timothy 5.23, Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, stop, stop drinking only water and use a little wine for your stomach's sake. Now, for those of you that like a red, you'll quote that often. <laughs> but the second part of the verse is what I want you to listen to. A little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illness. We, we often don't see that part, do we? Timothy is that school kid that is always missing two or three days a week with a sick note. Hey, Tim is, Timmy's sick again. This guy is sick all the time. He's a guy that's not turning up to the job because of his sickness. Maybe you feel that way. God can't use me. I've got a sore back. I've got a sore hip. I had a tooth that come out whilst eating a Chico roll. We think of these reasons of why I can't speak or I can't be used. Hey, God still used Timothy. He can use us. Second thing about Timothy, he was, he, he was naturally timid. 1 Corinthians 16.10. This is what Paul says to the church. When Timothy comes... See that he has nothing to fear while he's with you, for he's carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. So as Paul sends Timothy to the Corinthian church, to Corinth, he says to them, 
Timothy's coming, and please make sure that he's got nothing to fear. In, in other words, prop him up, give him encouragement. Like the same way we do when a guy preaches for the first time. Let's get around him. Get around him. You're not getting around me anymore, are you? <laughs> You're leaving me to, to myself. But that's what you do to a new person. Why do you do that? Why, why did they do this to Tim? Because Timmy was timid. Next thing about Timothy, he was a youthful. He was encouraged. Let no one despise your youth. Timothy, flee youthful passions. That of sexuality. That of living for the pleasures and the wealth of this world. Timothy, guard against those things. Timothy was a young man. There would have been those that would have looked at him and said, who does he think he is? He's a young guy, preaching, declaring. And they wouldn't have heard from him. So this was another reason why he would have felt disqualified. Number four, Timothy had a propensity to be ashamed of the gospel. 2 Timothy 1.8, for your reference. Paul says, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me as his prisoner, but join with me, Timothy, in the sufferings for the gospel by the power of God. Paul has to encourage Tim, Tim, don't be ashamed of the gospel. I saw you down at McDonald's Friday night. You had an opportunity to share Jesus, Tim. But you didn't. You just said, oh, on the weekend, I'm watching I'm a celebrity get me out of here. Timmy's walking away feeling bad. I didn't share my faith. I wasn't bold. Guess what? If you don't feel bold, if you don't feel powerful, maybe you're a little bit like Tim. God used him. He can use you. And the last one for Timothy, Tim always wanted to quit. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 7, Paul says to Tim, like a good soldier, you've got to keep fighting the fight. Tim, like a farmer, you only will reap the harvest if you stick it out in the field to the end of time. Like a, 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 a man who runs in a relay race, Timothy, pass the baton on to the next guy. Run the race, Timothy, with endurance. Why did he say these? Why did he give these pictures, these analogies to Timothy? Because he wanted to quit. And guess what? All of that to say, God used Timothy. Young, prone to get sick, fearful, timid, felt like a quitter. God says, I can use a man, a woman like that. Hallelujah. Guess what? There's no excuse for any of us, it sounds like. We'll all be signing up by the end of the church service, right? <laughs> and can I say, the group of people that were up here today are a small portion. There are so many of you that are unknown, unnamed, that are serving in some capacity of the church. And behalf of the eldership, can I say thank you? And can I implore those of you that aren't serving to get involved? Can, can, can I just take a moment, step away from the sermon to say to you that the reason I got involved in follow was because I felt that my life was somewhat being wasted in a church by not being involved? Can I tell you honestly, I didn't actually want to be involved. One man said this to me, I think it might have been a guy by the name of Spurgeon or something. 
He said, if you lose sight of the sun, you'll be captivated by the stars. Brother, are you pursuing some small worldly ambition, chasing your stars because you can no longer see the sun? And I had to make a determination in my heart. Am I going to pursue the things of this world? Light my own star or follow the sun? Anyway, um, we close, shall we? Ah, finally. <laughs> Let's close. Uh, Mark's Gospel. And I close with this story, and I hope I'm joining the dots okay for you today. Very, very powerful story. I won't go into it, but we know the story. It's Mark 12, 41 to 44. Read it in your own time. It's the famous story of the widow's mite. Jesus sits down opposite the place where the offerings are put in. And it says very clearly, very specifically, that many rich people threw in large amounts. Jesus is watching, he's observing this. And he says, but a poor widow come, comes and places only two small copper coins worth only a few cents. He calls the disciples and he says, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth. And she, out of her poverty, put in everything. A mite. You can see these if you Google them. There are still some out there. Be smaller than, no doubt, your smallest finger, your pinky. Tiny little copper coin called a lepton. A brass lepton. It was minted by Alexander Janaeus. He was the king of Judah between 103 to 76 BC. It is believed by all accounts across the board of both secular and biblical scholars that these still would have been in circulation, in use at the time of Jesus' life. Upon this, this lepton, there is no imagery of a Roman emperor. There is no imagery of a Roman god. It's a very plain copper coin. A widow's might, smallest and small. And Jesus said, see that? Disciples, did you see that? This woman has put in more than all of that. See all that big stuff? This woman has put in more. Maybe you are waiting to get involved in ministry when you get some big stuff. I'm just little. I'm nothing here. Haven't been around long. 
don't really know many people. Oh, I'll tell you, when I get going, though, oh, I'll get going. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> but, but for now, I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know what? Maybe you waiting for the big stuff will actually not be your qualification for ministry, but your disqualification. Maybe take the little stuff that you have and get involved. Use the little gift that you have and give it to the Lord and say, Lord, here I am, use me. Romans 12. We are to present ourselves, every single one of us, as living sacrifices. Thank the Lord we're alive. Holy and acceptable to God. That is your reasonable service. Present the little you have and give it to Jesus today. Amen. Crackpots. That's what we are. Not about us. Not about us trying to be perfect, pretending to be perfect. Being real and in those scars and in that sharing. Let the goodness of God shine through our lives. May we glorify not each other, but glorify Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Amen. God bless you today. Can we bow our heads? Let's pray. I ask the music team to come up. The Bible says of Jesus that in the book of Isaiah that he had no beauty that we should desire him. That he was a man of sorrow and grief and that people that we esteemed him not. That Jesus bore our sins and he carried our sorrows. By his stripes, we're made whole. Good news today is that you don't have to be real smart, real gifted, real big. You just have to be real committed and offer your life to Jesus. It's not unreasonable. It's absolutely reasonable. And I've been brutally honest with you today. A part of me wanted just to chase the stars. That happens when we're not seeing the sun. Lay down our worldly ambition to follow the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Life is short, eternity is long. This is truth. It's the Bible. I pray that you would give up today, brothers and sisters, perhaps your small ambitions and throw them into the treasury of God's purpose. At the end of service, there'll be an opportunity for us to mix, to meet, Make inquiries, perhaps. But can we just spend while the band plays quietly and then we'll start singing shortly? Can we just have a moment in church where you're praying, where I'm praying? Can we just open our hearts to the Lord right now? Say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Here I am, use me. Or maybe the Lord's doing something else in your heart. Let him have his way today. 
in your heart and in your life. Heavenly Father, help encourage your people today. Thank you. Thank you that you would use us. Thank you that you choose to put your treasure in vessels like us. May we take the pressure off ourselves trying to be like this or like that and just allow you to fill up all that is lacking in our lives. Help us with our kids to glow with your goodness, Lord, not to glare, as it were, down upon them or be angry, but allow you by your Spirit to work in us so that we can show even to our own kids your goodness. Bless every parent here today. Every man and woman, I pray, Lord, stir our hearts to be involved in kingdom exploits, in kingdom activity, not for follows benefit, but for kingdom purpose. Not about the local gathering here, Lord, but for your kingdom and your glory. Use us. Use us in this part of the community, wherever we are. Thank you for these examples. I pray you'd encourage. I pray no person would be discouraged, but let us be stirred and challenged to honour you with our lives. Pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.